I was reading a, um, an article uh, early last week that was talking about children, and they were asking the question, what are the influences that keep kids from diverting into uh, behavior that's destructive? What are the factors that you know, help kids the most in being prevented from getting into drugs and alcohol, uh, premarital sex, uh, all those kinds of things? And what was interesting was they were talking about in the studies that kids who actually attend church regularly on a Sunday morning uh, are actually the kids who score the best in those things. Even Which I thought was really interesting. The kids who attend church regularly even scored better than kids who attend private religious schools, but don't go to church on Sunday. And there, there are those. And I thought that was just really interesting. Even kids who attend private religious schools don't score as well in those factors as kids who go to church. So I just, want to, I just again, want to encourage you. I stand before you today as a pastor because there were some adults in my church where I grew up that gave themselves to children and youth ministry. And I promise you, it was their impact on my life that caused me to be, become who I've become today. Uh, so if you have any questions about that, you can blame them, okay? You can, you can do that. We've been talking in a series about God is, and I want to, I want to continue today in, in a, with a message that I, I really hope will both uh, encourage you and challenge you. How many of you could use some more peace? in your life. Anybody? Yeah. You know, so interesting during all this chaos over the last couple of years with COVID and all the craziness, it's been interesting how many people just say, you know, I just want things to calm down. I just want peace. Well, where do you think that peace comes from? Um, I read this a while back. I thought this was so funny. Somebody was talking about they, they were watching Dr. Phil on TV And uh, Dr. Phil had this great thing about how do you achieve inner peace? And Dr. Phil, according to Dr. Phil, the way that you achieve inner peace is to finish all the things that you have started and never finished. Now, come on, how many of you are bad about that? You start stuff and you don't finish, yeah. And so Dr. Phil says, you know, the way, the way that you get peace is to go back and, and finish all these things that you started. And this person who wrote this said, you know, I thought, I thought about that. And so I looked around my house to see all the things that I had started and I hadn't finished. And so before leaving my house this morning, I finished off a quart of eggnog, a, a package of Oreos, the remainder of my old Prozac prescription, the rest of the cheesecake, some Doritos, and a box of chocolates. And they said, Pat, uh, Dr. Phil, you're right. You have no idea how good I feel this morning. <laughs> well, that, that's one way <laughs> to, to try to get peace. I want to give you another way. Here's what I believe with all of my heart. God is peace. When we talk about peace, we're talking about something that's more than this superficial feeling that everything's calm. Peace is something that is not out here. It's something that is deep within here. Now, where does that come from? If you want to take your sermon outline out, you can track along with me. Let me give you a couple of scriptures. The first one is from Jesus just before he went to the cross, and he's helping his disciples understand this. Here's what he says. He says, read read this out loud with me. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I want you to catch that. Jesus said, peace, this peace that you're really looking for, it's a gift that only I can give. 
You can look everywhere in the world and you can try all kinds of things. And I, I thought of a hundred examples this week as I was reading the news about different things and th- different people who you seem to have everything in the world and they, they commit suicide and their lives are in chaos. And you think, you know what? You can have everything and still have nothing at all if you don't have peace in your heart of hearts. It's a gift from God. Um, I love what Isaiah says, Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. Read this out loud. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always, for the Lord God is the eternal rock. I want you to get that. Now, if you're a note taker and you're writing notes on this, circle those two words, perfect peace. Circle that on your outline. What's really interesting is in the Hebrew, what that literally says is shalom, shalom. It's peace, peace. In other words, you will keep in peace, peace. You will keep in double peace. Those whose uh, trust is, imp- is upon you and those whose minds are fixed on you. And I, and I thought about that as I was reading. One commentator talked about, I, I love this picture. He said, you know, what we're talking about is a double door of peace. Not just a thin layer of peace that, that, that is easily lost. He, he said there's a double door of peace that God can offer. And I, and I love that imagery. And that's, that's what I want to I talk to you today. I, I want to talk about the double door of peace that God can give us. Are you ready? Let me give it to you quick. Here we go. First, the first door that you want to go through in this peace is, is to go to God with the chaos within you. Go to God for the, to deal with this chaos that is within you. Now, what creates this chaos? And I, again, when I, when I was thinking about what really creates inner tor- turmoil for us, I thought, you know, there, there are three things I thought of pretty quickly, probably more, but let me give you three. The first one is this. When we're not where we need to be with God. When we're not where we need to be with God. Now, Look at me. I want you to hear my heart loud and clear on this. You are never going to experience the kind of peace that Christ is talking about until you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. There is a missing peace inside of you that only he fits in. There is a part of you that will never be complete until you go back to the God who created you. Does this make sense to you? Because until you invite Christ in, until you satisfy that which is inside, you're always going to be at chaos. That's why Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm what your soul is hungry for. I'm, I'm the one who can satisfy your thirst. That's why at the woman at the well, he said, I'm going to give you, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask for this water. And you know what? You would never thirst again. What's he talking about? He's saying inside of us, there's this hunger. There's this thirst. There's this desire that only God can satisfy. You know, what's crazy is, you know, the the world looks for for peace in so many places but God. Um, I read a a great testimony on on Facebook. I actually shared it. If you follow my Facebook page at all, you throw that picture up on the screen for me. This guy on the the far right there, uh, his name is Carl Sartre. He lives back in Pennsylvania. And Carl was talking about how he grew up not believing in God. He said, literally from the time I was five years old, I ran from God. He said, I just decided God didn't exist. He said, I decided there was nothing supernatural. He said, I decided that when you died, you just died. That was it. That was the end. There was nothing more. And he said, I had just come to that place. And he said, and yet I always felt like there was something missing here. 
And, and so he, when, when you've got that vacuum, you try to fill it with stuff. And, and along the way, he just talked about how his life began to spiral and how for years he just was an, an atheist, didn't believe in anything at all. And then he took a really hard turn and went from not believing in anything to becoming this. Throw that picture up on the screen. A Satanist. And he talked about how for five years he became a Satanist and he began to kind of chase after the dark side of, of, of things. And, and how, again, that, that just led him into darker places and darker places. And when, when Satan didn't fill, the, fill the, the, the hole, then he began to turn to, to drugs. And he talked about becoming an addict and how he just, he said, I just, it was like the, the harder I chased, the deeper I, I went. And he said, I came to a place where he literally tried to commit suicide. He goes, I just wanted to end it all because there was nothing inside that satisfied. And finally, out of his recovery from an attempted suicide and, and just being open to what in the world might be out there, he went to a little church in West Virginia. And there in that church, God spoke to his heart and revealed himself as what he was really looking for. And Carl Sarcher talked about opening his heart and life to Jesus Christ and just the tremendous difference that it made. Throw that next picture up on the screen. There's a picture here in this last November when Carl was baptized where he had looked all around the world trying to find something that would fit. And you know what? The only thing that fit was the God that he had been running from all those years. I love it. If you go to his Facebook page, you can read. He's just very open about all that God has done and is doing in your life. In fact, this was his post yesterday. I just thought this was so cool. He said, sometimes God will wreck your plans to save your life. Appreciate the detour. Wow, what a great insight. When we're not right with God, and, and sometimes that comes from when we've not claimed Christ as our Savior and found that deep satisfaction. But let, me, let me just take a sidestep from that for a second. There's also a time sometimes on our journey where we have accepted Christ, but then we allow some other things in our life that we know that are not of God. And, and when, as a Christ follower, we allow things in our life that we know are not of God, you know what? That creates that chaos. And, and some of us have been on this journey where, you know, we've allowed some things and we, we know that this is not, you know, we, we know we're doing things or being involved in things that we know aren't of God and, and we have this struggle inside and we just, we try to push it aside and we try to push it aside, but it, it just doesn't go away. And, and I just want to tell you, you're, you're, again, you're never going to restore that peace until you come clean with God and let God deal with whatever it is that you're struggling with. I love how the psalmist said it in Psalm 32.3. Read it out loud with me. He says, Lord, I prayed to you again and again, but I did not talk about my sins. So I only became weaker and more miserable. I love this. Some of us have been there where, you know, we know there's something out of sync with God in our life, but rather than talking to God about that, we talk to God about everything else but that, and we'll never know peace until we get back to what's causing the disturbance. Let me give you a second thing that, that creates this chaos within, and this one, this one may push on us a little bit, and that is when we're uh, at odds with others. When we're at odds with others. You know, when I was thinking about this, I, I was thinking about the fact that Jesus was really clear 
that it is as, as, is as important to God how we deal with each other than it is how we deal with him. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Then he went on to say, and the second is equally important, and that's that you do what, church? To love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, the, these horizontal relationships that we have are just as important to God as our, our vertical relationship with him. And so when we get at odds with other people, there's a, there's a chaos that goes on on the inside. There's an unsettledness that, that is there. Now, let me talk about that from two sides real quick. Sometimes that comes from when we know we've done or said something that has offended someone else. When we know we've hurt somebody. When we know we've said something that we shouldn't have said, and we, we've done something, there is a, there's an unsettledness where God is nudging us saying, you know what, that really wasn't real Christ-like in what you did. And yet, you know, sometimes in our pride, we go, well, they started it, you know, and we, you know, we try to justify it. But, but here's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. He said, you know what, if you find yourselves at the altar offering your gift, and then you remember that somebody has something against you, you remember what he says you should do? He says you should leave your gift and then go make it right, and then come back and offer your gift. Why? Because it's hard. It's hard to come into worship and say, Lord, I'm, I'm worshiping you with all of my heart. When God's nudging us going, yeah, but what about what you said to Joe or Jim or Pete? You know what I'm saying? Sometimes that's the side of it when we know we're at odds because of us. But the other side is, is also an important piece. And that is when we're at odds with others uh, because of something they've done with us, done to us. Now, here, here's what I want you to, I want to look, read through the scriptures there for you. Look at what Paul says, Colossians chapter 3. He says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Why? Read it with me. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And look what Jesus says, Matthew 9, 5, 9. Read it with me. God blesses those who work for peace, for they will be called the children of God. Now, we all know we can't fix people, but we have a responsibility, at least from our vantage point, to do what we can to make things right. I, lo I love what Paul says in, in Romans 12, 12, 18. Read this with me, church. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this is so important. Because sometimes, look at me, sometimes no matter what you do, that other person is not going to live at peace with you. And you know what? You got to let them go. You can pray for them. You can ask God to touch their heart. But let me tell you what you can't do. You can't fix them. You can't make them come to the table to resolve whatever issue it is. All you can do is own your part in any relationship, extend an olive branch of humility and forgiveness and reconciliation. But you know what? They have to receive that and come from their end too. Or you know what? It doesn't go anywhere. Does this make sense to you? God's not holding you accountable for them. He's only holding you accountable for you. Now, the other part of that is when when someone has hurt us, when someone has offended us, are you able to give the same amount of forgiveness that God has given to you? Remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, say it out loud, and forgive us our debts 
as we forgive our debtors. Okay, just a thought. Look at me. You're my heart. Do you really want God to forgive you as you forgive other people? You see, that's what God calls us to. And again, I know we don't do that perfectly, but there's a part of this that, you know, whenever we begin, whenever we've been offended, we, we can hold things in our heart and, and we can feed that anger. And as we do that, you know what happens? We make a place for the enemy to be at work. Here's what Paul says. He says, um, be angry, but don't sin. And don't let the sun go down on your anger. Here's what he says. And don't give the enemy a foothold. What's he talking about? He's saying, you know what? We're going to bump into each other. Where two or three are gathered together, there will be a fight. <laughs> Amen? That's not in the book, but it should be. I mean, that's, it, that's the way it happens. It should be. But, it's, you know, and people will, people will upset you. People will make, but it is up to you what you do with that anger. And that's why Paul says, don't give the enemy a foothold because if you nurse that wound, if you, if you nurse it and you feed it, it just begins to grow until it consumes you and you give the enemy a way to just add destructiveness to your life. Um, I, I saw a great visual in, in, in the news. You, you may have seen this. Um, there was a guy back in Maryland who a couple months ago went down in his basement and found snakes. Now, how many of you would freak out if you found snakes in your basement? Yeah. It's like, eh, I don't know. How would you deal with that? You know, how many of you would call an exterminator? Yeah, how, many would you, how many of you would call your spouse to come deal with the snakes? You figure, figure they were relatives anyway, right? <laughs> Some of you will get that this afternoon sometime. That'll, that'll sneak you in. Well, this guy, this guy decided to deal with them in a, a very unusual, rather than call an exterminator, he decided to deal with them himself. And he figured he could smoke out the, the snakes. Now, you can tell this is going to go south, right? And so he gets these hot coals, and he puts them down in his basement, creating this smoke. And man, it started smoking all right. But what he didn't realize is putting those hot coals, he got too close to some stuff that was combustible. Instead of just smoke, he got a fire. And here's what happened. Throw that picture up on the screen. Boom. Yeah. No, throw the next picture up. And it went to this. And throw the next picture up, and eventually to this. A $1.8 million home. Incinerated. Trying to get rid of some snakes. Look at me. You see, this is, this is what the enemy's not telling you. you. You nurse that wound. You feed that fire. And you're going to bring destructiveness to your life. This wasn't the goal that the man set out to do. There's just a better way of dealing with things. Does that make sense to you? Now, now some of us, can we be honest? Some of us not only nurse aggression, some of us go after revenge. Now, how many of you have ever tried to enact revenge and it didn't, didn't go so well? Anybody ever did? Come on. Yeah, there's people going, oh, I did that. You know, yeah. I, I was reading, there was a great article talked about when, when revenge goes wrong. I, I should have read the whole thing to you, but it was just hilarious. But I, I thought, here's a great, for those of you who been, came in this morning and you were thinking about revenge, just maybe help you to forget it. Throw, throw it up on the screen. In high school, this girl used to call me fat, and so I started stealing her lunches. I did not think that through because all it did was make me more fat. <laughs> I, I just thought that was hysterical. I, I love this one. Throw the next one up on the screen. I was really mad at my parents for not letting me go to camp one summer, so I decided to fail all my classes on purpose that year. 
I ended up having to repeat that grade. I love this. Hey, have you ever done that, you know, where you, I'm going to get back at my parents and you do something and all you're doing is hurting yourself? You, you, we do this in marriage. How many of you have ever given your, your, your spouse the silent treatment? And then you find out they like it. <laughs> I like it when you shut up. <laughs> it's like, no, oh, I'm, I'm giving it to them. They love this. You know, they're, they're, they're humming. Oh, you know, they're, this was my favorite one. After, after my brother told on me for sneaking out and got me grounded, I put my grandma's laxative into his shake, except I picked the wrong shake and poisoned myself. I hope you don't run into that one. I've had way too much coffee this morning. I'm sorry. <laughs> Revenge doesn't work out so well. Let me give you one more. We're, we're at chaos within whenever, whenever we're not aligned with our values. Whenever we're not aligned with our values. And what I mean by that is that's when we, we may be doing something that we're, we're not really sure is a sin, but we know it's wrong and, and we're struggling with that, but we, but we violate our own ethical principles. I, had a, I read an article with a professor on this uh, site talking about uh, a student who came up to him the next day after a test and confessed that he had cheated. And the student, how the student was saying, you know, I, I felt so bad. Um, that I just couldn't live with myself. And I thought, you know, that's that conflict of values where, you know, the student, you know, lots of kids, it's like 80% of kids cheat, you know, in school. But this, this kid, it conflicted with his values so much that he had to make that right. And I thought, I thought that was so cool. And because what happens to us when, when we're living at odds with our values is there's this unsettledness that, that is always there. Like the guy, you know, there was a guy in England you know, the last week. He, he was an uh, 82-year-old man who was pulled over uh, in England and when the cops pulled him over and came up to the car and told him what, why they were stopping him, the, the guy pleaded with the cop. He said, you know, can you, can you just give me a pass? He goes, I've been driving for 70 years, and I've never been pulled over before. And the guy was doing the math. And he goes, okay, that means you've been driving since you were 12. And so he actually ran a report on him. And sure enough, the guy was right. He had been driving for 70 years and had never been pulled over. The reason, you know, but, but what was interesting was what the cop discovered was neither had he ever had a driver's license and neither had he ever had insurance. Here's a guy driving for 70 years, you know, with no, with no driver's license and no insurance. Now, we go, how, how can, can you imagine? I mean, I don't know how you are. Whenever you see a red light, you know the cop's coming after you, don't you? You know, whenever you see it, how many, how many of you immediately when you see a police officer, you slow down? Yeah, yeah all of us led foot to do. Yeah. You know, I just think, can you imagine for 70 years this guy driving like this? You know, well, why? Because he always knew he was doing something that violated something he knew to be right. You can't be at peace and be at odds with yourself. Does that make sense to you? You see, the, the first door of peace is making sure that all is right within with the help of God, that I am right with him, that I am to the best of my ability right with others, that I am living without conflicted values. I love what Isaiah 48, 18 says. It said, if you'd obeyed me, then peace would have come to you like a full flowing river. Now, let me give you the second door of peace. 
And that is to, to go to God with the chaos around you. We have chaos at home. We have chaos at work. We have chaos at school. We have chaos in our community. It's, 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 it's all over. Look, look at me. What do you do with all of that? You, you see, so many of us want to grab hold of that by ourselves. We, we try to take control of the chaos. And what we discover is, I can't control the chaos. I can't control people. I can't control circumstances. I can't control COVID. I can't, I can't control all of this. So what do we do? We've got to learn to go to God. So that no matter whatever is going, around, going on around here, I can be at peace. Paul describes it so well in Philippians Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, what should you do, church? Pray about everything. He says, listen to this. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. In other words, Paul says, you should take this stuff that you're dealing with. You should bring it before God. And then while you're laying it there, remember all of the stuff that God has done for you before. And as you remember what he's done, you can believe then God can take care of this. Paul said, if you tell God what you need, thank you for what he's done, here's what will happen. Read it out loud, that bold part. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's what Jesus is saying to each one of us today. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. And I will give you what, church? Say that word again. Rest. And I promise you that rest is what many of us need today. Douglas Maurer, a 15-year-old boy, lives in Missouri. Several years ago, um, he started feeling ill and went several days of feeling bad and then all of a sudden he developed a fever that spiked between 103 and 105 and it just wouldn't go away. His parents finally took him to St. Louis uh, to the hospital and after they ran all the tests the doctor uh, came in sat down on the bed and said Douglas you have leukemia. And the doctor looked his 15-year-old in the eye and he goes, I'm not going to kid you, Douglas. This is going to be a hard road for the next few years. He said, for three years, you're going to have to have chemo. And that chemo is not going to feel good. It's going to leave you feeling sick. Um, you're going to lose your hair. And you're probably going to be bloated. He said, it's, it's not going to be a fun journey, but that's, that's the road we're going to be on. He said, but you're a strong young man. And, and I firmly believe that you can get through this. Well, Douglas... You know, as most 15-year-olds would, he just, he just tanked emotionally, kind of went into a funk. And his aunt came in to visit him one day, and he was really depressed. And she decided she wanted to do something to kind of perk him up. And so she called the florist shop and said, hey, I, uh, I want to order some flowers for my nephew who's in the hospital. He's 15. He has leukemia. Could you put together a really nice arrangement and put a note from me, and here's what I want it to say. So she did. Next day, the flowers came, and, and Douglas saw the flowers, and, you know, he was touched by that, and he smelled them, and he read the card that his aunt wrote. And, but there was a second card in the flowers. 
And here's what it said. It said, Douglas, I was the one who took your order at the flower shop. I worked there. I had leukemia when I was seven years old. I'm 22 now. My heart goes out to you. You'll be okay. Good luck. Signed, Laura Bradley. And Douglas immediately began to perk up. You see, what's funny is here was this young man sitting in a hospital with the top doctors in Missouri, millions of dollars worth of equipment all around him, and yet the assurance that he needed came from someone who had been where he was and had survived that track. That's what we have today. Hebrews says that we have a high priest whose name is Jesus, who has been through everything we've gone through. He knows what it's like to be hurt. He knows what it's like to be abandoned. He, he knows what it's like to feel the sting and pain of life. And yet through all of these things, he endured. And he gave his life for us. You know, this morning, as, as we get ready to receive communion in a moment, <coughs> we're, we're not praying to a God who doesn't understand. We're not praying to a God who doesn't get us. He does. He knows right where you're at. He knows right what you're going through. And you know what? He's inviting you to allow him to give you the strength you need for this journey. Hear what Jesus said? Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy with burden. I will give you rest. That's why 1 Peter 5 says, Cast all of your cares upon him because he cares about you. I, I want to do that this morning. Um, I want you to go ahead and take your cup out, if you would, and go ahead and pull the cellophane back and take the wafer out. You can go ahead and tear the lid and get your juice ready. We'll receive that together in just a moment. But this morning, do you have peace within? This morning, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, I invite you to invite him in, to be the Savior and Lord of your life. In your own simple way, whatever prayer you want to pray, just acknowledge to the Lord that you need him today, and he will come to you. There may be some of us that our journey today is, you know what, I've invited Christ in, but I'm still wrestling with some stuff I haven't let go of. And maybe today it's time to lay that stuff on the altar and just say, God, here, I know this isn't of you. I'm coming clean. And allowing the Lord to cleanse your heart today. Some of you may be at odds with someone. And you say, Lord, I, I need your help in knowing how to heal this relationship from my perspective, to the best of my ability. Help me to do my part and give it to you. Some of you may be dealing with the conflicted values or some of you just may be overwhelmed by life. And today you realize you've been trying to carry all of that all by yourself. And you don't have to. Today, cast all your cares upon him because he cares about you. Rachel's going to lead us in singing that chorus and 
After we sing it through, we're going to receive, I'm going to pray, and we'll receive the elements together. Make this your moment with God where you invite him to give you his peace. Our Father, we come today um, longing for the peace that you promise in your word. And Lord, you, you hear the confessions of our heart. You know exactly what we're at and where we're at. You know exactly what's creating the chaos within us. And, and so today, Lord, we lay that here at your feet. We, we lay down the sin that separates us. We, we lay down the anger and the, the, the stuff that goes on between us and other people that has prevented us from being at peace in our hearts. We lay down our conflicted values to align ourselves with who we know you want us to be. We lay down all these cares, all these worries. Lord, it's so interesting how often we, we carry our worry around with us like it's a trophy. And you call us to lay it down at your feet. God, there's so many things in this life that are outside of our control. And if we're really going to have peace in our heart, then we've got to give it over to you and allow to have you do your will your way. So, Father, again, wrap your arms around each and every person watching online, each and every person in this room. Today, breathe into them the peace that they need. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said.